Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Simply by saying, this is what God thinks of the planet, is that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, that's got to be you. Everybody on planet Earth can respond and receive Christ. And it's the incredible, amazing grace of God. And so that's our theme right across Easter this uh, year is grace to grace. Grace is God's undeserved love and favour. If you've never heard it explained like that, lots of you will know the phrase, the grace of God. But Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 puts it this way. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we could do nothing to earn it, while we could add nothing to it, while we could not prove our willingness to embrace it, He showed His grace to us. And this morning, I want to take a few minutes and I want to open up this thought of grace to grace, not grace that's just enough to get you to heaven. So many people think that's the entire thinking of the Christian life, that somehow or other there's a heaven awaiting us, and there is. But that, that's all that it is, that Christ died and came so that you and I could be with Him in eternity. But grace is more than just enough to get you to heaven. It's more than just enough so that God will tolerate your mistakes and weaknesses. We are speaking this morning about grace, to grace, to grace, upon grace, and more grace for every one of us. Many of us here, most of us, I imagine, will know the hymn that is perhaps the most famous of all Christian songs on the planet. It has been so for over 200 years. It was in 1779 that a former slave trader called John Newton was in an incredible storm a few years before that, transporting slaves across the Atlantic Ocean. Thought that he was going to die, so fierce was the storm. And in that moment, he cried out to God and said, God, if you are there, spare my life. Well, God did spare his life. That man viewed that moment as the moment of his conversion to Christ, his moment of faith, his moment of choice to follow Jesus as Saviour. And that moment changed his life. In 1779, just a few years later, as a now Anglican minister, he wrote the famous words of amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He went on and said, "'Twas grace, the amazing grace of God that taught my heart to fear and then grace my fears relieved. "'Twas grace that's brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home." The final verse says, "'When we've been there, 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. 
We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And this amazing grace of God has been sung about with that hymn for over 200 years, 240 years. Christians have sung about grace. We've heard about grace. Yet I believe we have often missed the most crucial kernel of truth that's at the very heart of this. And I was thinking about this message. If I was honest, I'd tell you, well, I am honest, uh, but I'd tell you that I'd prepared this message that was so clever. Honestly, you would have been impressed. You would have gone away going, what a theologian our pastor is. Wow, does he know the Bible or what? But you know, I kept feeling like God wanted to do say something quite separate to that. And so I was having a conversation with someone and they mentioned the phrase I'm about to read to you. And they mentioned the phrase in the way that I've always heard it and the way that I just kind of taken for granted, I guess. And when I, I heard the phrase, a light went on for me and I saw it in a different way and I want to bring that to you this morning. Titus chapter 2, it's a book of the Bible. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says this, read it. And I want you to take notice, slowly watch it. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to all people. This verse here says that it's not just grace like one human could extend to another. And thank God for every demonstration of unmerited and undeserved love and favour. Some of you will remember the movie years ago called Pay It Forward, talking about the whole idea that you might bless somebody you don't even know, that you might do something good for someone even before they've done anything for you. It's not like grace, even in the definition of unmerited and undeserved love and favour, is foreign to humanity. We celebrate it, the, the feel-good stories, the random acts of kindness, whatever you like to call them, that we so love experience and seeing from another human. Just this week, I stopped to buy a coffee and as I went to pay, the man behind the counter said, no, it's already paid for. I said, how come? He said, remember two weeks ago, you were in here and a young lady was fumbling to try and get, she didn't have any cash, she thought she did, didn't have it, she'd ordered the coffee. She's fumbling for a card and I don't know what was the reason, but I stepped forward and I, and I said, here, and put forward $5 or whatever. She acted like I'd bought her a house. She said, I can't believe you do that. I said, it's just a cup of coffee. She said, but that's so kind of you. Well, she was the girl who went back when she had some cash and said, when that man comes in again, I want you to give him a coffee for me. And they'd remembered that. And so they gave me the coffee, which was kind of nice. So it's not like somehow or other, we don't ever experience grace. But Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 doesn't say grace has come. It doesn't say love has come. Oh, you know, sometimes I get a little tired of people acting as though the love of God is just lumped in with every other kind of love. Somehow or other, it's not much different to what most of us know. But Titus understood something. This epistle to Titus, they all got to know 
It's not just what you do. It's the grace of God has appeared. We celebrate that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we tend to view grace from the human perspective. But this grace that we celebrate, I want you to get this today. This grace that we celebrate is so far distantly above. It's so much greater than anything you will ever encounter from another human. It's so deeper and so more profound and so much more godlike that only God could possibly bring to humanity this thing called the grace of God. Here's some things that came to my heart about it. Number one, because it's the grace of God, it's got no limits. People will always have a limit because we're human. There's limits to what we will do. There's limits to how far we'll go. There's limits to our patience. There's limits to our forgiveness for many. There's limits to love. But because it's the grace of God and because God has no limits, there are none in God. You will go to heaven, I trust. And when you get there, you'll never be bored because there's no end to God's creativity and there's no end to God's presence and there's no end to God's joy and there's no end to God's peace and there's no end to God's love. Because it's the grace of God that's now appeared, there are no limits on that grace. That's so good news for every person on planet earth because no one's ever able to mess up too much because the grace of God's got no limits. No one has offended too greatly because it's the grace of God. No one has walked too far away that the grace of God can't reach you. There is no problem too great. There is no challenge too big. There is no sin too strong. There is no valley too deep that the grace of God, think as far as you can go. I meet people all the time who say, I've given up on God because I'm too great a sinner. And I say, no, you don't understand. The grace of God is greater than your greatest sin, greater than your greatest weakness. It doesn't matter how much you have messed up, stuffed up, blown it, wrecked it, done damage, offended God, said what you said, walked away. No matter what you've done, the grace of God is out beyond your farthest out limit. It's beyond your greatest sin. It's beyond the boundary of anything you might step into and away from God. The grace of God has got no limits. Secondly, because it's the grace of God, it can't be changed by anything or anyone. There are no circumstances or seasons of life that can prevent God's grace being at work in your life. I think it was Voltaire or Rousseau, one of the great French philosophers, who predicted that the Bible, by the end of his lifetime, would be a dusty old book only found in libraries. Well, he just joined the long list of people that have predicted the demise of Christianity. I've come to loathe this phrase that I hear so often that we live in a post-Christian world. 
There is no such thing as a post-Christian world. People have been prophesying for years that the church was irrelevant. But you know, churches are packed every Easter and people are coming to Christ. We have seen so many people coming to Christ in the last couple of months in this church, in every service and outside of the services with yes text and people that are profoundly, I'm not saying they made a tiny commitment, I'm saying they're profoundly changed. People that have never opened the Bible say yes to Jesus and want to go to Bible study saying, how can I learn more? People that have never been to church and had written it off come to Christ and out of that say, I want to be in the presence of God. People that lived all kinds of ungodly lives come to Christ and say, I'm finished with that. You and I don't live in the post-Christian world. We are actually living in the greatest days of the Gospel that's ever been on planet Earth. There is no ism, there is no uh, kind of ideology that can defeat the power of the Gospel. Why? Because the grace of God cannot be changed by anything or anyone. Let the prophets of doom stand up and declare and speak about the church. Let politicians say we don't need it anymore. But I'm here to tell you today, the grace of God will outlast every single ideology, every single ism. We've got more of them today than we've ever had on the planet. It's like there's every kind of thing. Go on Twitter. My goodness, there's every kind of little splinter idea out there, every kind of thought, and yet outlasting every single one of those is going to be the incredible great grace of God. Let me say to you this morning that the grace of God is never doing nothing. The grace of God, listen to me, because somebody here needs to hear this today, because you think that you of all people are cocooned from God's grace. You think, well, I'm just not really into it. You think to yourself, well, somehow or other, God's forgotten my name. He's lost my address. And somehow or other, I and the other people can walk with God, but I just can't. Can I say to you, the grace of God means that God is never doing nothing in your life. Come on, He's never doing nothing. He's at work in you today. He's at work in your life. He's at work in your family. He's at work in your little brain. No matter how much you may have tossed thoughts around of who God is and what God's like, the reality is because it's the grace of God. I couldn't do it. I gave up years ago trying to rely on human persuasion. I know that when it comes to people coming to Christ, there's only so much argument I can mount. There's only so much passion that I could bring that might bring someone to that point. I understand that the grace of God is at work. And it's that well, I'm excited today. The grace of God got out of the tomb where the devil meant to hold it and every miracle he thought was finished and every work of grace was stopped and everything of help would never get out again. But thank God on the third day, the angels came down and rolled away the stone and the grace of God got lit out in all humanity in Jesus' name. The grace of God is out there. I love I love this. Listen, the grace of God is not for Christians. The grace of God is for every person on the planet, no matter what you think, what you say. Matter of fact, it's too bad. He got you. Amen. I know people hate that idea. They think, well, 
How dare God be after me? I don't want him. Well, too bad. He's coming. Amen. And his idea is that he wants heaven filled. The scripture says it's a multitude without number. It's a multitude. It's not, think of the biggest crowd you've ever been in. Oh no, it's far bigger than that. Heaven is not going to be the AFL grand final. It's going to be like millions upon millions. The Scripture says you could stand there in eternity and never count them all. So I know that the grace of God, listen to me this morning, the grace of God, never allow your thinking to become the bomb shelter kind of an idea, the the hello, let's hold on. World's going to hell in a handbasket. Oh God, come back. I've got a friend of mine who says every Wednesday, Jesus is coming back on Thursday. He's just making that up. He has no idea. But he's just hoping for an escape. He's hoping that God will come and solve all the problems. I always say to him, well, listen, while we're here, how about we believe? While we're here, how about we work? While we are here, how about we serve? While we are here, how about we give? While we are here, how about we let our little light shine? Because the grace of God is going to magnify every word of grace that you speak and bless others through that. The grace of God, it cannot be changed by anything or anyone. Number three, third thing about the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Because it's the grace of God, hold on, it's never taken by surprise. Oh, what a blessing that is. Because every Christian wants to do the right thing. We all do. We all want to be brilliant. We want to be like Jesus. And how many of us have days where we are so not like Jesus? One of the young children in our church His parents asked him this week, do you know Jesus? His answer, they sent this to me in a text. His answer was, yes, Pastor Jeff Jesus. (laughs) If only he knew how far from the exact image of Christ Pastor Jeff often is. And all of us are, I guess. You know, you're never, ever going to hear God ever utter. Oh, never saw that coming. What a shock. I thought they were. He knew you, warts and all, and he saved you. And he never saved you going, well, who knows? Let's see. Hope they make it. What the heck? You can only try. Oy vey. I love this. And sometimes as a Christian, you've got to go back. and When you are in struggle town, when you are in temptationville, when pressures are coming around about you, you need to stop and go, you know what? This is not a surprise to God. And He's not going, you better fix it up before you come to me. He saved me knowing everything. It's the grace of God. See, you may encounter something as a human that's such a shock to you that your emotional response and your ability to do the right thing is suddenly stopped and you find yourself going, oh no. But God's never like that. There isn't anything, listen, there isn't anything you've done, will do 
or are doing, that is a surprise to Almighty God. Your stumbles, your failures do not surprise God. He knew you would be where you are. Think about this. I think about verses like this where Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter goes, I'll never do it. And yet when Peter does do it, Jesus doesn't go, well, that's it. I gave you three chances. Three strikes and you're out. He actually says to the woman at the tomb, go and tell my disciples and Peter. Some people have said that's because Jesus no longer counted him as a disciple. I don't believe that for a moment. I don't think that's at all. I think that what Jesus was saying, would you make sure Peter says I mentioned his name? Would you make sure that Peter understands that I'm still with him and that I'm still including him? The grace of God is never taken by surprise. Listen to me. God's grace is a river, not a puddle. There is a river of grace flowing out of heaven today. I wish, I'm hoping that today I can convey this enough so that every one of you sitting where you are will understand that I, the Scripture says in Colossians, in Him we live and move and have our being. That means no matter where I'm going, what I'm doing, I'm in a bubble, if you like, of the grace of God. It's going wherever I'm going today. It's going to go wherever I'm going tomorrow because grace was not a moment that touched my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. But grace was an ever-flowing stream that started at the cross of Calvary and then went through the tomb and the door opened and then the curtain in the temple ripped opening the presence of God. And grace has been set amok right throughout humanity ever since so that even a slave trader, the most ungodly professional of his day that you could imagine. People that even despise themselves. And yet that man there could somehow or other, how is it that a man out there cries out to God? Lots of people have done that, but this man does and pens the song we sing 240 years later. And yet you think someone you love has gone too far. You think they're out of the grace of God. You think somehow or other that because they've blasphemed and done all kinds of stuff that somehow or other they've lost God, that their lifestyle now shuts a door in God's face. That's impossible. It's impossible because it's the grace of God, not the grace of Jeff or your name. Grace is a river. It's not a puddle. It's a flow. It's not a moment. Number four, because it's God's grace, it's always good and it does good for you. There isn't anything in the grace of God that goes like this. Well, let them suffer. Well, that'll teach them. Huh? Listen to Psalm 119 verse 68. It says, you are good and you do good. God can't help himself. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. He went about doing good because God was with him. He went about doing good because he couldn't help himself. Goodness flowed out of him 
in every poor. So much so that even without his action, a woman who had spent every penny she owned had sold everything of value trying to get better from the condition that isolated her in Mark chapter 5. That that woman with just the tiniest amount of faith, if I could touch even just the bottom of his coat, I'd become whole. And even that tiny almost insignificant spark that lived in her heart and was never voiced that we know of to anyone else. No one talked her out of it because she never told them. But the Bible says she pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And listen, I love this part in Mark 5. It says, And when Jesus perceived that virtue had flown out of him, just touching him, just touching him, he couldn't help it, just went out of him, just went out of him. Listen, God is not waiting for you to mount a great argument for why He should help you. Hello? God doesn't need you to come and go, well, God, you know, I really did this and I really did that and I've really been trying really hard and after all, you know, and hey, look what I gave and look what I did. And oh God, I promise you that if you do this, I'm going to really do this. Bribery doesn't work with God and neither does bargaining, not because He's impervious to our cries, but because it's so unnecessary. A woman caught in a terrible affliction, one of the worst of her day, meant she could not touch another human. Isolated from family and friends and social life and a tiny little bit of touching him and something just flows. Why? Because that's just the grace of God. It's almost like God can't help himself. He just can't help himself. For God so loved the world that he thought about it for a while and said, I better send a philosopher. For God so loved the world, he said, we had to start working and getting a decent program going. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave. I remember reading a little while ago about how so many people under the Roman Empire got transformed because of the acts of Christians. I think if I'm right, it was in Pompeii where the plague broke out. And the report ended up reaching right through to the highest levels of Roman government about these Christians, who, by the way, they were crucifying and trying to talk out of their faith. But because when the plague went through, the only people that would help people struck with the plague were Christians. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave. Never be embarrassed about your giving or your serving. Never think to yourself it's about you. It's simply the overflow of the great grace of God. Now I'm speaking about grace and I'm well aware that controversies have raged around the world in the Christian world. And if you're oblivious to it, God bless you and stay oblivious. But I hear people that are scared of grace they're worried about preachers that preach grace. They think, well, that could be too much. We need to probably tell people everything that's wrong and make sure that they understand all the things they shouldn't do. And I get that. I'm not saying that the Bible ignores those things. But my read of the world in which we live is not that there's so much grace that people are in danger of a slippery slope or greasy grace. I actually think the world needs to hear more than ever before that it's the great grace of God 
that has appeared bringing salvation to everyone. You can easily spot true grace, God's grace at work in someone's life. The true grace of God always leads to gratitude and a response. That's how you know it's the true grace of God. It's not just some kind of tolerant thing or some kind of a... And can I say it again seriously? Because some Christians are so afraid that they're going to step over the mark and they live little tight lives, not understanding that the great grace of God is never an excuse for an ungodly lifestyle. True grace will always lead to gratitude and a response. So Zacchaeus says to Jesus, he, the great cheater of everyone, the man who manoeuvred and manipulated others and used his position to build his wealth, he says, half of my goods I give to the poor and if I've cheated anyone, and there must have been quite a list, I'm going to repay them four times. And he never did it going, but I hate it. He did it going, this is my joy. The gathering demoniac, the man who had terrorised a whole region. The gathering demoniac, when he's delivered by the great grace of God, falls down and worships Jesus and begs him to let him follow. And Jesus says, no, you go back to the 10 cities. And he did that. Later on in history, there was a massive turning to Christ in that area. The thief on the cross who's got nothing to offer. He can't say, I'll serve. He's dying on a cross beside Jesus. But he has a moment where he perceives the great grace of God. This man, he says, he's done nothing worthy of death. You and I, we deserve what we've got. He's done nothing. He recognised that it wasn't judgment or law and it wasn't wrongdoing that took Christ and held Him on a cross but it was the great grace of God on display for everyone to see that moment that literally transformed our history and everything to do with it. That man right there with nothing to offer and no way to persuade, he says, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus turned to him on the basis of that and said, today you're going to be in paradise with me. And yet we wonder whether God will forgive us. We wonder whether there's enough grace for the thing we're battling right now or the obstacle that's in front of us. Because listen, not everybody here is battling with some evil. Some of us, we're battling with opposition and with things that seem to go so awry. And we're, we're looking at what's happening in our world and going, God, hello. But God is never doing nothing because it's the great grace of God. When grace comes, gratitude always follows. And response is always ready to act. No wonder we all sing hallelujah. No wonder our automatic response is worship. No wonder our automatic response is God, what can I bring? What can I do? How can I help? Not out of earning, but just out of the joy of walking in the great grace of God. What a privilege. I Pray today that every one of us, I want you to go into the world this week, today, wherever you are. I want you to go in the gun. There's enough grace for him and her and him and them. Every person you meet is loved by God. And that's not some sloppy thing. The cross was never emotional and sloppy and kind and nice. It was ugly 
and vicious and cruel and painful. And yet, the Savior that hung there said, this opens up grace to the entire world. Whosoever wants to can come. Whosoever will may come, the Bible says. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. You can come today. You can say yes to Christ. Don't say to me, oh, Jeff, you don't understand. I've been so, I had men say to me once in hospital. He said, you know, I've spent my whole life turning my back on God. How can I turn to him now? I said, but now's when you need him most. Huh? Because grace says that nothing you've done, your callous disregard for God, if that's what it was, doesn't shut God out. The cross releases grace for you and for every person on the planet. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray just a moment. Just pause with me a moment because there's people here in this place today and you need to say yes to the great grace of God. You need to say to Christ, you know, I'm sorry I kept you at arm's length. I didn't realise that it was about your great grace for me. And today I'm going to say yes and open the door for grace not to be released on the earth. You did that on the cross. But my yes is going to release grace into my life, into my heart, salvation, forgiveness, peace, love of God is going to come into my soul in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you for that today. For every person that's here, I pray, God, today that as people are saying yes in their heart, I know they are, as they're saying yes to you, the great grace of God comes in a human life and a manifestation of it stops being the moment in history and it becomes our story now. Thank you for that. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to pray with you this morning right where you are. I won't embarrass you because that's never what I want to do. I want to help you today. And if you're here this morning and you say to me, Jeff, I, I want to say yes to the great grace of God for my life. Today I'm going to invite the grace that God has for humanity to become real to me. If that's you, I want to pray with you, especially right where you sit. All I'd like you to do, just so I know I'm praying for you, would you just slip your hand up and then put it back down again so I can see it? I'd love to pray with you just up the back there. Thank you over there. God bless you. Thank you over the back. Thank you in there. God bless you. Thank you over there. God bless you. Who else? Just wherever you are right now, you say, that's me. Thank you down there. I see you. Yep. Anybody else? Just wherever you are. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've never been here. Maybe it's your first time. You say, can I say yes on the first time? Oh, please do. You say, Jeff, I've been here lots of times. I never said yes. Can I say yes today? Oh, yes, you can. Today would be your day. Is there anybody else just quickly before I lead these people in a prayer? Right where you are, you'll be so glad that you did. Then we're going to pray together this prayer. Matter of fact, I'd like everyone to pray it with me. Would you say this after me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, your grace, that's yours. I'm opening the door of my life to your grace today. You're my Saviour. You're my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give those people a great big hand? Just say congratulations. How awesome. Come on, give them a big hand. We really want to celebrate you. Heaven celebrates. That's for sure. Can a moment like that change a life? Well, honestly, I'd say it's the only thing that's changing lives. I just finished reading a book. I'm always reading something. but It's called The Science of Sin, written by an atheist, a neuroscientist. 
can human beings change? He goes, well, you know, if we keep on evolving, eventually one day, some of us will get it. That, that was his answer. And I'm not trying to poke fun because he said some really great and helpful things. But I was interested that he had no answer to the why. And I thought of all the people I've known, people that stand on this platform, people that sit here and stand with us and worship, that I have known that have had their life changed by that moment, just that moment, just that moment. Oh, really? Do they really? Oh, yes, they do. Profoundly. It's an awesome thing. Give them another big hand. So we love you. God bless you for saying yes. We have here in this church what we call Yes Text. If you want to throw up the slide, please. Yes Text is simply a way that you can start right now to start following Christ and allowing Jesus to start changing you and helping you. There it is right there. You can, if you're in Australia, text YES to 488 Tomorrow morning and every morning for the next 30 days at 7 a.m., you will get a wonderful Scripture out of the Bible and a short prayer. It fits on one screen of your smartphone. You can pray that prayer and make it yours. And you do that. I've heard story after story of people saying to me, it was like every day God was speaking to me. So do that. Maybe you're outside of Australia watching this on our YouTube channel. You can get the same thing by registering at yes.metrochurch.org.au. When you do that every morning, you will get an email from us with the same info. And then you can opt in or you can opt out anytime you like. But after 30 days, there's more series. I'm in one. I don't know what it is. It's probably about series number 23 or something or other. And it's about strength. And I'm loving it every day, even this morning. I don't want to badger Pastor Bruce who runs it. But uh, every morning I get like, oh, that's good. That, I needed that. Thank God for that. Amen. We want to be a blessing to you. And, you know, not everything's going to happen inside of a service. Lots of great things will. But we know that God wants to meet you wherever you are. So 0488-826-392. Yes.metrochurch.org.au. While you're there, go to teach.metrochurch.org.au and maybe start discovering how do I study the Bible? A new Christian, someone who gave their life to Christ last week, said to one of our team, they said, how do I study the Bible? Saved one couple of days and was saying, how do I study the Bible? And came to a Bible study and was a part of that. Thank God for every bit of that. Amen.